I have been removed without explanation, escorted out of the building in which I have worked for more than 30 years by police officers. Gary and I have been deeply humiliated. I can think of nothing that I have done that would disqualify me from carrying on with my office while this investigation is completed. I welcome the, the RCMP's independent investigation and will fully cooperate with it. I know it will clear my name. This is Vancouver Province columnist Mike Smith. And I'm Vancouver Sun columnist Rob Shaw. It's time to go in the house and go inside BC politics. Right, in the House indeed. It has been a wild time in the House at the B.C. Legislature. The fall session of the Legislature has just wrapped up, and it was one of the wildest ones I've ever seen. Rob, what do you think? I mean, I've been around this place for a long time, over 20 years, and seen some crazy stuff. But this, I'll tell you, this story with the clerk and the sergeant-at-arms getting marched out of the place under a police escort last week, and then the ensuing fallout from it, Wow, I've never seen anything like that. No, I mean, I've only been here 10 years, Smitty, but I have never seen anything like it where, I mean, our jaws were just hanging open as we watched the uh, clerk and the sergeant-at-arms get kind of frog-marched out of here by police. It has taken up, I think, all the oxygen in the room in BC politics for the last two weeks. Uh, The premier has had multiple media scrums, and it's all he's been asked about. We've been chasing people down the hallway. There was the blockade at the speaker's door by the press gallery. Uh, it has just been crazy. Now, I wish we could say that we can offer you the definitive explanation about what's going on here, but I don't think anyone knows in this building. Uh, we've talked to a lot of MLAs. We talked to a lot of staffers here, and I don't know what you're hearing, but I'm hearing the same kind of, uh, well, uh, your guess is as good as mine. I mean, the speaker knows. His aide-turned-private investigator, Alan Mullen, knows, and we'll talk more about him in the show, Um, and the RCMP and the special prosecutor know, and none of them are saying anything. So that's where we're kind of left. Okay, off the bat there, we heard the voice of Craig James, the the clerk of the House, who is one of the men who has been put on administrative leave with pay, and he and Gary Lenz, the the sergeant-at-arms, gave what I thought was an extraordinary news conference the other day where... They both proclaim their innocence. They say they've done nothing wrong. They say they still don't know what this is about. Like the police, they say the police haven't told them or no one's told them what the investigation is about. And they want their jobs back. Uh, I, I find, I found it was an amazing news conference because it, it, in, in most situations like this, if people are under investigation, they, they typically will lawyer up and they will shut up and they won't say a word. These guys held a news conference. They took questions from the media and whatever it is they're under investigation, they certainly seem confident in, in themselves and they've done nothing wrong. And you could kind of read through the lines there that uh, this press conference was setting up the potentially mother of all wrongful dismissal lawsuits. If we ever get to this point where if there's nothing substantiated in these allegations, I think that press conference was deliberately set up to have the clerk and sergeant at arms say, we don't take this personally. We would like our jobs back. Here are the steps you can make to remedy this injustice. Here's how it's damaged our reputation and humiliated us and hurt our personal lives. Please do something about it quickly. 
we watched the end of the session occur and nothing was done on this yeah. file. The liberals tried to bring in a motion to review the suspensions. It was it required unanimous consent of the House and NDP House Didn't Leader happen. Mike Farmworth <coughs> and Green Leader Andrew Weaver nixed that. So we never even got a chance to go through that motion. Uh, but I, I viewed that press conference as a as a big step towards one day suing the pants off. Well, of look at look at the lawyer they've hired. They they have not hired a criminal defense lawyer. They've hired a civil litigation lawyer. So I think that that indicates that that's what's being set up, potentially laying the groundwork for a wrongful dismissal suit. Uh, I think that was evident in the in the letter that the lawyer sent out as well, arguing that the the speaker of the house, Daryl Plekis, had no no right to launch an investigation against these guys. That. There, there was no right to put them on suspension. So I think that's that's what's being set up. But I guess we will see going forward. Eventually, we're going to find out what this what this is all about. It appears to be about possibly money. Was was there are there allegations of mishandling uh, taxpayer dollars at the legislature? And the reason I say that maybe that's what it is is because uh, Craig James, for example, talked about how in the news conference about how the steps that he has taken to safeguard the public's money there. Yeah, why don't we have a listen to that and uh, and then we can talk about it. Here's here's Craig James at the uh, press conference earlier this week. Gentlemen, whenever you have a fight with someone, in this case they've been investigated, you'll always start racking your brains. What could I have done? What might it have been? What do you think it might have been? What went through your mind? What do you think it could have been? I have no idea. There was no money moved that shouldn't have been moved? None at all. I have established processes in the Legislative Assembly that are essentially bulletproof. We have an executive committee, we have an audit working group, which I, um, which I formed. The audit working group consists of a former auditor, auditor general and a controller general for the province uh, who attends that meeting. I established the finance and audit committee, which would, which would receive reports and, uh, and engage in discussions on all kinds of financial issues. And, of course, there's a statutory Legislative Assembly Management Committee uh, consisting of senior House leadership. There's all these different uh, vehicles by which um, we uh, bring issues uh, that we see uh, as needing to be resolved. In terms of the question about the comment that, that the Speaker has made, um, I just want to let you know that if it happens to do travel, mm -hmm. uh, travel that I am on is 90% uh, with members and probably 80% with the Speaker. Uh, the Speaker approves it, um, and when we return from our, our business trips, I hand my expense claims to my assistant who goes through them, uh, and if there are any concerns, she raises them. Um, I sign the document, and then it goes off. And these are processes that I have put in place since 2011. From there, it goes to the executive financial officer, who again casts her expert eye over uh, the claim. From there, it goes to the director of financial services, who again casts his expert eye uh, over uh, the expenses. We stole him from the office of the auditor general. He's actually an auditor. And then from there, I think there's one or two others in financial services that will review everything. And if there is a problem or question about any aspect of the claim, it is then moved up back toward Hillary Woodward, who the executive financial officer, who would then uh, discuss it with me, and then we resolve it in the way we go. Okay, what, did, what jumped out at you there and what he said? Well, I mean, we know from covering this place that Craig James was responsible for basically dragging the legislature, kicking and screaming into the modern financial age. It was 2012 Auditor General Don, John Doyle 
uh, basically dropped the elbow on the legislature and said, look, your books are in such bad shape, we don't even know if money's missing. And what you heard Craig outlining there was what he has done since 2012, basically as clerk, to open public meetings, get the books audited, hire these former auditor generals and comptroller generals he mentioned that are on different committees. He talked about travel expenses as well and how those are go through all these different processes. So a lot of people here are wondering if it is about money, um, how do you know the, the people who created this modern system of accountability and have put in all places all these audits, how do they get caught up in that? And it's one of the things that's really tough for people to square here because um, you know that the, they have done quite a bit to advance the legislature, and yet that's that continues to be the persistent rumor. It's worth adding that no one has been charged. Yes, nobody, nobody <clears throat> knows for sure what's going on. It's just speculation world here. But but um, they've not been arrested. Someone said to me the other day, "This was amazing when these two guys were arrested." No, they were not arrested. They still technically have their jobs. They're still being paid. No one has been charged. Nothing has been proven in court. Um, and they say that they they both still don't know what's going on. Now, now the suspended sergeant at arms, his comments, uh, Gary Lenz, were quite dramatic in the news conference. And have a listen to this. Here's Gary Lenz talking about what, what this has been like. I was shocked on November the 20th, as I know many of you were, to learn that I was being put on administrative leave due to a pending investigation into my actions. The allegations of which were not disclosed to me, and I still have not been disclosed to me. Although it is impossible to deny what you do not know, I firmly say that I have done nothing wrong and that I am confident that an independent investigation now underway with the RCMP will clear me of any alleged wrongdoings. I want this investigation to continue and conclude as quickly as possible I will cooperate with the RCMP and have already reached out to them. As Sergeant-at-Arms with responsibilities for security of the Assembly, I have reviewed complaints of wrongdoings by members and staff. For each complaint that I have investigated, I followed law, policy and best practices, and I ensured that the accused individuals were not unduly harmed by my actions. I protected their identities as I was required to do so, so that none of them would be humiliated or have their reputations destroyed. In most cases, though not always, the allegations were unfounded, and that is the reason that investigations should be <clears throat> should be concluded and not publicly humiliate the accused during the investigation. You can never undo damage to the person regardless of the outcome of an investigation. Here's what jumped out at me, Rob, and what, and what he said there. He said that he has phoned the cops himself to try and find out what's going on. He yeah. said, you know, the police have not contacted him. He said he's actually phoning the police and saying, look, can we please get going? Can you tell me what's going on here? Can you tell me what this is about? What can I do to cooperate with you? So, you know, I mean, th these guys certainly protested their their innocence, uh, I, I thought pretty effectively. It was a pretty effective news conference, but we still don't know precisely what it what it's about. But I guess we will find out eventually. Yeah, I mean, there's <clears> lots <throat> of people who are kind of you know giving us a, a ride a bit uh, on social media, saying how, how, you know how come you're not 
getting answers to these questions. And I think it's worth us, we'll play a clip here of us uh, attempting, and this is our colleague Richard Zussman from Global News, attempting to ask Speaker Daryl Pleckis a question in the hallway, uh, just so you get a sense of the flavor of what the what it is like at the legislature. And have, have a listen to this. Speaker, was there an investigation taking place out of your office? I'm not going to make any comment on that. I think what you people need to do is understand that when you talk about investigations, it's a huge continuum, and one of those is called due diligence. And I, I'm thinking that you might want to do some of your own. Explain to us where, what Should sort of due have diligence. Have you conducted the investigation? So yeah, that's that's not a that's not much of an answer. It's more of a lecture, I think, from Daryl Plekis on <clears throat> media should do their due diligence. Now, right. as we said off the top, only he and his special advisor Alan Mullen and the police and the and the special prosecutor actually know what's going on. So he is suggesting they're that not we, saying we do our due diligence on his secret investigation, and that um, so far no one's been able to crack that nut, basically. And you know, a lot of the attention this week is uh, centered around uh, Alan Mullen, who is. A friend of Plekis's who was hired by him in January, he has told us in media events that he conducted some of this investigation into this into the clerk and sergeant at arms. We've had a back and forth over whether the word investigation is valid. Mr. Mullen told us that, but Wally yeah. Opal came out and tried to. Uh, <laughs> first, Daryl Plekis came out and said, "No, no, no, no. The idea of a, of a an investigation is." Um, you know, what was it? nonsense? It's nonsense to call it an investigation. It was due diligence. But then Wally Opal, his new special advisor, came out and said, well, there was an there investigation. There was an investigation. So we're all just <clears throat> debating over the word investigation uh, at this point. But nonetheless, whatever it was, was done by Alan Mullen. And we did have some <clears throat> news uh, this week, Smitty, on his um, somewhat uh, checkered past, I guess you could say, uh, which... Uh, has come out now that he is the kind of the, the in the spotlight here at the building. There, there was a court case. It was what, what, twelve years ago, more than ten years ago, where he had a job in security at a casino. His employer was Great Canadian Casinos. He was fired by Great Canadian. He filed a wrongful dismissal suit, <clears throat> and the and the the court papers in that and the pleadings are, are interest, interesting because Great Canadian Casino had said that at one point he had uh, he had been what drunk. They say he was drinking on the job. Right. And he was suspended so, for four days without right, pay. Right. And then uh, he uh, apparently, according to the court documents, tried to file for almost $11,000 worth of overtime. Right. Uh, and that's what, what led to his termination. Uh, the company wanted uh, evidence that he had uh, committed this overtime, that he had done it, and uh, they didn't get it. And so they fired him and he sued them and it went back and forth until now, it was settled. Now, that does not necessarily disqualify you <clears throat> from having a job as the special advisor to the speaker. And Plekis had hired him as a special advisor. But one of the reasons that Plekis's judgment has come under question here is that at one point he had suggested this fellow could be the new sergeant-at-arms to replace Gary Lenz, at least on an interim basis. And that was shot down immediately by the other House leaders there. And the, the reason why Plekis's judgment is being, is being questioned there is because when you're talking about the sergeant-at-arms, I, I mean... There are ceremonial duties. You know, this is the guy who carries the, the mace into the house as a symbol of parliamentary supremacy and that kind of thing. And, the, and, he, and he wears these robes and that kind of thing. But he's also responsible for safety and security in the parliamentary buildings, not just to the MLAs and the staff, but also the public. He's in charge of uh, the security protocols in the building. The building is sadly a potential terror target. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> this is very important uh, position in, in the legislature. Uh, has to have very high <clears throat> RCMP uh, clearance, CSIS clearance, and yet you had uh, the speaker had suggested this fellow who, who would appear not to have the qualifications to hold a job like that 
to be the sergeant at arms on an interim basis. So that's another one of the reasons why Plekis's judgment has been questioned here. Uh, a lot of people have wondered why does the speaker even need a political assistant? I think you have to understand the context of where Daryl Plekis sits in the legislature. He is a uh, a pariah to, um, from the Liberal Party wants nothing to do with him. After they hate he, him. He defected right? from the party to take that job, and they have boycotted going to any speaker-related events that he has hosted in the last 14 months, basically. So he's he doesn't have any Liberal friends left. The NDP flipped him on the Liberals, got him to be Speaker, and basically just kind of left him alone. And the Speaker's job is an isolating position. He has no real allies here. And so maybe it's no surprise that he hires a friend to be his special advisor, right. his eyes and ears in the building amongst the people who won't talk to him anymore. And uh, he essentially needs this person to do some of his kind of political work for him. That seems to be more Alan Mullen's role, right? He's not hes not providing parliamentary advice. He doesn't have a lot of political experience. He doesn't know the players. He doesn't know the building. He doesn't know the procedures. He's not a licensed investigator. He's not a lawyer. He's not a police officer. He is... He is the speaker's friend and confidant and aide, and that seems to be the job that he has. Typically, here. the position of the sergeant at arms is someone who has a background in <clears throat> policing or law enforcement. Like Gary Lenz is a former RCMP inspector, for example. So, you know, there, there's a lot of scrutiny on how the speaker has handled this, and there's a lot of partisan politics attached to it too, because the liberals, as you as you mentioned. He's persona non grata with them because he took the job in the first place and took away a vote from them and effectively allowed Horgan to become premier and, in the end. And he also power. pushed Christy Clark out at the uh, at the caucus oh, meeting yes. at Van Tickton. So, I mean, there's a lot of <laughs> deep anger towards Daryl Plekis in that party. And, and the NDP on the other side, they may be somewhat uncomfortable with the way this has unfolded. And I think John Horgan, in his end of the session news conference, showed that he seemed to be uncomfortable the way this is this is this has happened, but. They certainly want Daryl Plekis to remain precisely where he is. Like, if this somehow, some way, were to boomerang on Plekis and he would be forced to step down as the speaker over the way he's handled this, I don't think that will happen. But if it did happen, it it probably brings the whole government crashing down yeah. here. I mean, it's hard to listen sometimes to the liberals, you know, asking questions about this incident, knowing that they a voted unanimously went along to suspend, yeah. and b they have their own political axe to grind. But it doesn't also mean that their questions are not legitimate. Some of them are need to be answered for sure. It's just tough. You know, people have a visceral reaction to the Liberal Party and then you discount what they're trying to argue. And But I think that some of the questions do need to be answered. On the other hand, um, you know, I guess there is an argument too that, that uh, maybe Daryl Plekis and Alan Mullen shouldn't be saying anything at all once the RCMP and the special prosecutor are in place and that they have an obligation to keep quiet. It's just tough. I think in, in this climate, the way that this investigation unfolded in yeah. secrecy, the way that the officers were marched out of the building so publicly, yeah. Yeah. to be so quiet now, knowing that it's going to take months, if not years, to resolve, uh, is a, is a tough pill to Here, swallow. Here's a few things that we do know. <clears throat> pardon me, for, that we do know for sure about this. We do know that the RCMP are investigating. We do know that there are not one but two special prosecutors on the case. Now, why are there two special prosecutors? Well, it's because the BC Prosecution Service said it was because of the potential size and scope of the investigation, which would suggest that whatever it is, it's, it's potentially big. Um, we know that the appointment of the special prosecutors was approved by the Deputy Attorney General because it would be in the public interest, they said in a statement, and also because uh, the appointments of the special prosecutors were based on information available about the alleged circumstances of the case. So some of the allegations 
the, the assistant deputy attorney general has looked at them and said this warrants a special prosecutor to be in place. Wally Opal has talked about how this is a complex criminal investigation. Mm-hmm. Those are so, his words. <clears throat> those are his have, words. Police have never called it a criminal investigation, <clears throat> well, but that's Wally true. Opal has. Yeah, I mean, it, it. But something's going on. I guess is my point. I, yeah. we still don't know. Now, you know, for for people who are focusing on uh, the speaker's handling of this, which, which I think is an important thing to look at, or maybe thinking like, has this thing been totally botched? Is there anything to this at all? Look, the, some of the people who are in the know here, some of them at least feel that it is warranted to have two special prosecutors in place looking into it. It's just a question, I think, of how long it's going to take. And you've heard people like John Horgan saying, well, I hope this is resolved quickly. Is there any hope at all that this thing will be solved? solved The history has shown us with the quick win (laughs) scandal, with the hell firing scandal, with the Bazzi Verk raid on the legislature, that special prosecutor, RCMP, political investigations take three, four years at least. And they often end up uh, in a mess at the end with very minor charges uh, in the grand scheme of things. And so I'm not sure if that is where we're going on this one, but it seems to... The Mounties get in here and they start dealing with issues like breach of trust, which is a very political issue, the idea of your oath versus what you do. They start getting into the politics and trying to understand how this place works, and they they take time to do it. And I I can't see it uh, occurring in, in... you know, weeks. I think this is months, okay. if not years. But uh, there's a lot of pressure on the RCMP too. To, to John Horgan has said what three, four times now. We need this done quickly yeah. to protect the institution right. and protect people's confidence in the way this place is working. Okay, I got a feeling we'll be revisiting this topic in future podcasts. We'll see. I think we will, and I think also uh, next week we should probably talk a bit about what actually happened in the spring. The fall session of the legislature totally overshadowed by this. But there's a ton going on. You and I are going to have chats weekly on this podcast, Breakdown BC Politics. And if you want to get a notification in your inbox of that, subscribe through your podcast feed, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts, and and, uh, listen to us every week. You bet. Okay, we'll talk to you next week then.